bono happy hour. I'm Rena Glazer. Welcome back. Today we're talking to Becca Naylor from Reed Smith. Becca spoke to us from London, where she is based. She's an associate and the pro bono manager for Europe, the Middle East, and Asia. We discussed her passion for human rights and how that informed her career path, her experience in Lesbos as part of the Reed Smith pro bono team, counseling and supporting refugees in Greece, and more. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Hi, Becca. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks very much for having me. Let's jump right in. Why don't we start by having you tell us about you? Share a little about your background. So I grew up with my family in a place called Hazelmere, which is about an hour south of London. And I went to school in southwest England. And um, then I went to university to study law after that. Why did you decide to pursue a law degree in a legal career? When I was 16 years old, we had a talk from a man called Nick Yaris at my school. And he'd been on death row for over 20 years before he was exonerated. And I couldn't believe the injustice of his case and that this still happened in our world. And that's what made me look a bit more into it and start to explore the world of law and human rights and what I might be able to do to help make a difference. Wow, that's profound. I think all schools should bring in speakers. <laughs> it could change people's yeah, lives. It was, it was great. It was an amazing experience. It was about two and a half hours in the middle of the school day. That's incredible. So, okay, all you pro bono leaders out there, go speak in schools. <laughs> that's how we're going <laughs> to get the next generation turned on. So, as <laughs> you've said elsewhere, and I think it comes from this experience that you've always had a passion for human rights. What do you think it was about hearing him that sort of sparked this passion that informed, you know, your lifelong decisions? So, I mean, he was an amazing speaker and he spoke through his story and he also shared his book with us, which I read after, um, after the talk. And I, he was speaking on behalf of Reprieve, um, an organization that does a lot um, to fight the death penalty and other um, sort of secret prisons and um, torture and rendition cases. And I started to follow the work of Reprieve and Clive Stafford-Smith. And when I was at university, I went to all the talks that I could that were related to human rights. And Clive actually spoke a couple of times when I was at university. And I would go along to his talks and drag all my friends there with me, too. <laughs> Fantastic. So that's another tip. Drag your friends along with you. That's, uh, <laughs> that's amazing. So let's talk a little bit more about Reprieve and the group's work and your experience working with them, because you did more than go to hear speakers. You got personally involved. That's right. Um, I begged them to let me do a volunteer placement after I finished university. So I went and worked there for four months. I was working in um, what was then their abuses and counterterrorism team. And I helped them on cases relating to Guantanamo Bay, to drone strikes, to torture and rendition. And it's an amazing, amazing team with so many amazing individuals, but they all work together. And it's a pretty small team, but the work they're doing is so big and affects the lives of their clients in such a positive way. And what were some of your takeaways from that volunteer experience? So I was was there as a volunteer, but they treated me like a sort of valued member of staff, and that's how they treated all of their their volunteers and their staff. So one of my main takeaways was to include everyone in the team, and one of their volunteers is now one of their directors. 
So you never know where someone's going to end up and you know, what they might be able to contribute to the work you're doing. What else? Anything else? To keep fighting for what you believe in and to never let anyone stop you from sort of seeking justice in the cases that you're working on. Um, so, and, to, and to continue to advocate for the, for the clients that you're working for. Yeah, those are very empowering messages, and it, it sounds like a great experience. So let's fast forward a little bit. How did you get to Reed Smith? So I did a vacation scheme at Reed Smith in my second year at university. And as a result of the vacation scheme, I got offered a training contract. And when I was looking at firms that I might want to work at, one of, one of the important things for me was the pro bono work that they were doing and how I might be able to get involved in that. And Reed Smith had a pro bono secondment, which I thought was a wonderful opportunity. So during my training contract, I'd be able to go and work at one of the organizations they partner with. So for me, that was one of, you know, a big contributing factor in why I wanted to work at Reed Smith. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit more about your experience and Reed Smith and the pro bono program. But I want to clarify for people who don't have a background in this area, two things that you just talked about. One, training contracts and trainees. What Could you explain that for people who aren't familiar with sort of the legal path in... Uh, in the UK? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when, you, when you've done a degree in the UK, it could be a law degree or a non-law degree, um, you then go to law school. And after law school, you do a two-year training contract before you qualify um, to be a lawyer. And that's actually the solicitor route. So there, in the UK, there are two types of lawyers, solicitors and barristers. And it's the solicitors that do training contracts for two years in a law firm. Fantastic. Thank you for that background. I think that's helpful for people. And the other term that we're going to talk more about, and that is this idea of a secondment. Could you just kind of broadly explain what a secondment is? Yeah. So um, a secondment um, is where you might go and work as a client for a period of time. It could be a few months. It could be a year. Um, And when you're doing a training contract at Reed Smith, there are lots of secondment opportunities to go and work in our offices abroad or to go and work for some of our clients. And amongst those opportunities, there's also a pro bono secondment. Yeah, fantastic. So you could be seconded to a paid commercial client where you go in-house for a while. You could be seconded to a legal services organization, a nonprofit, to reprieve like we were talking about. So for people who are unfamiliar with that term and concept, I just wanted to give a little background before we talked more about it. So... Okay, so you, 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 you learned about the pro bono program at Reed Smith. You spent some time at Reed Smith. And tell me more about your, your track and your experience, your sort of history at the firm. So I started my training contract at Reed Smith. And then um, after six months, I asked if I could go on the pro bono secondment straight away. Um, and I got the opportunity to do that. And at that time, the secondment was to Liberty. Um, and I had a brilliant time working there. And when I came back from Liberty... They actually offered up the pro bono lawyer role within the firm. And so I applied for the role, and I, and I was lucky enough to get the role. Um, but I got it halfway through my two-year training contract. So for the next year, I did two jobs. I did my training to become a lawyer, but then I also ran our pro bono work as well. Wow. So that's like having two full-time jobs. That sounds exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty tiring, but it was definitely worth it in the end. How did you manage? Do you sleep? Um, I had a lot of support from everyone around me, from the responsible business partner, um, Michael Skrine, who oversees my work, 
and also from lawyers throughout the firm who are all willing to sort of take a share of, of my responsibilities while I was trying to do two roles. That That's fantastic. Um, you mentioned that you had the opportunity to become a firm's pro bono manager. I think your 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 portfolio, your jurisdictions are pro bono manager for Europe, the Middle East, and Asia. That's that's yeah, huge. That's right. Yeah, that that's amazing. So how do you how do you spend your time? How do you spend your day? <laughs> um, that's a very good question. Um, every, every day is very different and also very busy. Um, I spend quite a lot of my day in meetings, and that might be with NGOs that we work with or that we're hoping to work with. I also meet with our lawyers who are running projects or who might be new to the firm. I speak to, at group meetings and sometimes at the partner meetings. And I'm also always on the lookout for new partnerships that we might be able to get involved in. And at the same time, I also try and do some legal work myself. If you had more time, is there anything that you wish you could be doing, things that kind of don't percolate to the top of the to-do list for one reason or another? I would love to be able to spend more time um, visiting our other offices in Europe, Middle East, and Asia and helping to develop the pro bono work that they're doing there. And that would be sort of top of my list of if I had more time in the day. Is there anything you wish you could be doing less of? I'd like to spend a little less time responding to emails. Um, I try to make sure I don't sit at my computer all day because otherwise it will be never ending. Um, but equally, they are obviously very important for all the work that we're doing. But it is, uh, you do get a huge amount of emails in this role. Yeah, that's for sure. You mentioned something called the responsible business team. What's that? So responsible business is who we are as a firm and who we want to be. So um, we view our responsible business as including pro bono, community volunteering, diversity and inclusion, the environment, our ethical business practices. And we have a responsible business committee, which is made up of senior lawyers and senior professionals within our office, and they make all the big decisions relating to all those different elements. So we were talking before about your portfolio, the EMEA. Europe, Middle East, and Asia, which is a huge amount of territory with different countries, cultures, languages. What have you learned in terms of tricks of the trade to, uh, to manage all of that? So it's critical to have an associate and a partner in those offices who are going to be responsible for pro bono and going to drive the pro bono forward and engage their staff in, in participating as well. And we're really lucky at Reed Smith that we have fantastic partners and associates in each office that are involved. Um, but there are certainly challenges. Each jurisdiction is different in terms of what they can do, what they would, what they would like to do. And I, I work with them to try and find opportunities for our lawyers that they're excited about and would like to get involved in. What have you found works best to incentivize and encourage lawyers at the firm to do pro bono work? So I, I try and tell the human stories of the pro bono work we're doing. So when a lawyer um, has finished a case, I try and get them to write a blog about their experience, uh, the type of work they're doing, the commitment involved, and why, why they would want to do it again, and the impact that their work had on the client. So I very much try and focus on the impact of our pro bono work and try and encourage our lawyers to get involved that way. Um, we also do count pro bono work towards billable targets, so 120 hours count. 
Um, so that helps. So I do think that our lawyers do pro bono because they want to do it rather than because um, it counts towards any target. Are there any um, regional or country differences that you could tell us about, sort of a, a country or a locale where there's been a particular struggle and maybe what you've done to address it or overcome it? So what, what we've tried to do where, we've, where our lawyers, where our officers aren't doing as much pro bono is to work with local NGOs and find a way that we can assist and partner with them. So in Hong Kong, we have a great partnership with Liberty Asia and a system on various pieces of work that we're doing. And I try and take that model and, and you know, use it in other countries as well. And we also do a number of initiatives that involve lawyers across our offices. Um, so we, have, we do work with Lawyers Without Borders, and that involves lawyers in all of our offices working together on, on a specific project which has an outcome that they can all um, work to achieve together. So that's one of the ways that we try and, you know, try and get lawyers involved in a, in a challenging jurisdiction. Yeah, I think those are two fantastic tips. One, think local, right? You have to know the local culture and needs and community players. And the other is think cross-office. Um, you're one firm and you have a lot of resources and you can share them and spread them and work collaboratively. So that also is another way to get people involved. I think those are great tips and great ideas. Wonderful summary. (laughs) Um, Becca, what motivates and inspires you? I'm inspired by the NGOs that we work with and the amazing work that they're doing to support vulnerable clients. I'm also always amazed by our lawyers at Reed Smith and their willingness to get involved and to take on large pro bono cases alongside their already demanding workload. And also our clients who are um, so resilient and determined as well, they also inspire us to keep going. What do you enjoy most about what you do? One of the best parts of my job is that I get to meet so many amazing people, whether that's the charities we're working with, our clients, the lawyers at Reed Smith lawyers at other firms doing pro bono, and everyone is so enthusiastic and engaged and working towards the same goal. So that's one of the things that I enjoy most about the job. That's fantastic. What do you see as your greatest challenges in doing this job? My greatest challenge is managing pro bono for our staff offices and at the same time trying to do some legal work myself. Um, So that is something that I'm always trying to balance and try and make sure that I get the right balance. I think that's been a common theme for people, right? Sort of the the administrative part of the job is a full-time job, <laughs> plus. And then yeah. for people who want to maintain some sort of practice, pro bono, commercial, both, that's another big chunk of time. And, and so how do you balance and keep all the balls in the air at the same time is, is really difficult. But uh, I think you're not alone in having that as, as an identifiable <laughs> challenge. Yep, yep. So... You've been in your pro bono position since, I think we said around March 2015? Does that sound about right? right. Two years plus. So what surprised you the most about pro bono during this time? I was delighted to find that all the law firms collaborate together on pro bono. That wasn't something that I was necessarily expecting when I went into the role. And in the UK, we have the collaborative plan for pro bono in the UK, and it's a wonderful initiative that gets law firms together around a table. We share ideas and challenges, and we even start initiatives together. So about 18 months ago, Reed Smith, along with five other law firms, set up a domestic violence clinic in London, and that was as a result of 
collaborating and we shared the training and the costs and we work together to provide the best service that we can to our pro bono clients. Yeah, I, I think that's a big surprise to people that law firms that are intense competitors in the marketplace can be intense collaborators uh, for pro bono and access to justice. So that's that's a great, great, happy surprise. What have been some of the other lessons that you've learned? You know, in other words, if you could talk to the Becca of March 2015, if we had a third guest on the line, we were kind of in the way back time machine here. <laughs> what do you wish you knew? What could you tell the you from then? That you can't do it all alone. Um, you need to work with everyone in your office and outside of your office. I'm really lucky at Reed Smith. We have a network of champions. I already mentioned that we have an associate in every office, but we also have an associate in every group in London. And we have champions that run every initiative that we do. So whether that's a legal advice clinic, a long-term partnership with an NGO. And we have about 70 champions in total um, in our Europe, Middle East and Asia offices. And without them and the work that they do to lead our initiatives and to encourage all of our lawyers to get involved, I definitely couldn't do it alone. Yeah, that's amazing. We all need help. And some people are better at asking for help than others. And some people are better delegators than others. But those are all superpowers that pro bono leaders (laughs) need to develop um, (laughs) in order to swim and not sink. So you mentioned that you have associates and pro bono champions in the various offices and the various practice groups. How are they chosen? Do, Do they volunteer? Do you draft them? Is it some combination? They all volunteer for the role. Um, So when we set up a new initiative or if a group um, champion becomes available, I'll I'll email everyone and say, who who would like to take on this role? And we normally get quite a lot of volunteers, which is fantastic. And they're always extremely enthusiastic and they have wonderful ideas for how we can increase engagement and partner with new organizations. Let's talk a little bit more about the secondments. We mentioned them earlier. Um, and you were very helpful in explaining what they are generally and who trainees are. Could you give us the current sort of lay of the land and what types of pro bono secondments the firm is offering to what groups and what your folks do at these places during this time? Yeah, of course. So we have a pro bono secondment for our trainees during their two-year training contract. And the secondment is six months long, and they get to spend three months at Liberty and three months at Reprieve. And Liberty is a civil rights organization, and our trainees sit within the legal team, and they're working on litigation relating to civil rights cases. And at Reprieve, our trainee is um, sitting within the main team, and they are working on cases relating to the death penalty worldwide. And... What's the sort of mechanics of it? Do people volunteer? How are they selected? How do they choose when and where to go? How's the program administered? So the trainees are given the opportunity to choose what they would like to do. So they receive a talk about each secondment and each um, available seat within the different departments. And then they put their list together on based on their personal preference. And then what happens is if there are sort of two or three people who want the same secondment, then they get interviewed by myself and the pro bono partner, and we decide which one will go on the secondment. So I think some people will be listening to this and they'll say, oh my gosh, how does this work? Like, how, how can you have people away from the firm for that long? How is that in your sort of business interests? <laughs> you know, how, how does this work for... Uh, um, 
providing continual services on, on billable work. So what would you say are the, the pluses and any minuses to the secondment scheme? But like I said, I, I picked to do my training contract at Reed Smith, and one of the reasons <laughs> was they had this amazing pro bono the common available. And so I think it's a great um, tool for recruitment, for, for getting the best trainees to come to Reed Smith. Um, but it also shows how seriously the firm takes its pro bono commitment that we not only do pro bono work for these clients, but we're willing to lend them one of our lawyers for a period of time in order to further help and develop the work that they're doing. Thank you. That's excellent. I want to switch gears um, and switch gears geographically. Let's jump from London and the UK to Lesbos and Greece. You spent some time there as part of Reed Smith's amazing work in Greece for refugees. Tell us about what the firm's doing there and let's reflect on your personal experience. So our refugee work is global and it's led by our U.S. pro bono counsel, Jane Fleming. And she set up this amazing protection project. And she first worked in Haiti and has now transferred this model to the Middle East and to Greece. And the project identifies individuals who have suffered persecution or torture and helps to relocate them to a place where they can heal and they can restart their lives. Um, And last summer, we had a lot of volunteers in Greece. And we were working with a Greek NGO called Metadrasi. And I went out on three occasions last summer to assist on Lesbos. And we were mostly supporting Syrian refugees who are at risk of deportation under the EU-Turkey deal. And then more recently, I've accompanied Jane to Jordan, where Reed Smith have 50 clients that we're trying to relocate to new countries where they might be able to restart their lives. And also, um, this year, we've been working with Safe Passage, which is a UK NGO, and they are working to help unaccompanied children in Europe who have family in the UK and who have a legal right to come and join their family in the UK. That's amazing. Okay, so let's break it down. Let's take Greece first, and then we'll talk a little bit about your experience in Jordan. So what was it like? I mean, what what are you doing? What's What are the conditions like? Where are you staying? What are you wearing? What are your days like? Pa- paint a little picture of your experience. So we were working in Moria, which is a refugee camp in Lesbos. Um, Every day was different. The situation was always changing. There were a lot of people arriving every day. Um, We were working with Greek lawyers, so we were guided by them as to where our our skills would be most useful. Um, But we were in the camp every day, and it was between 30 and 40 degrees. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but it was really, really hot. Um, And you're outside, and there's no shelter, and that's the conditions that people are living in every day. Um, and we, we stayed nearby, just in a very little local sort of hotel hostel. Um, but we spent, you know, about 10 or 12 hours a day in the camp. And then we were also working into the evenings, working on the cases that we agreed to assist on and supporting the Greek lawyers in the work that they were doing. And what does that experience leave you with? I mean, what's your sort of takeaway or impression from having been several times sort of physically on the ground there firsthand? There's a huge need for legal assistance and legal advice for refugees. The challenge for pro bono lawyers is that we don't all have expertise in immigration and asylum law. So one of the key things is to work with local organizations and local lawyers and see how you can best help and equip them to do the work that's needed to support refugees. Those are great lessons, really practical and really helpful. Now, tell us a little bit about Jordan. What was your experience like there? 
So I was there to help my colleague Jane, and she's been to Jordan a number of times over the last few years. And she has, I think it's about 50 clients now that Reed Smith are, tr are trying to assist with um, providing protection and also to relocate to other countries. So she works with a number of NGOs, including UNHCR and Centre for Victims of Torture. And I was there assisting her, so interviewing clients to get updates and getting documents signed. And we were trying to see all 50 clients in the space of a week. So it was extremely busy. <laughs> yeah. And as your takeaway or as you reflect on both the work and the conditions in, in Greece versus Jordan, are there, are there differences or different sort of feelings from the experience or, or similar? I mean, there are similarities and differences. Uh, there are huge numbers of refugees in Jordan, many more than there are in Greece, but um, in both places, they're in desperate need of help and support, and that's legal support, but also um, accommodation and um, health support as well. Um, I think uh, there, there are lots of NGOs in both places doing amazing work, but I think there's still a lot to be done, and there's a lot that law firms can do to support the NGOs there as well. Well said. Thank you. Could you share some other examples of pro bono matters that have been particularly meaningful to you, either ones that you've worked on firsthand or ones that the firms worked on that you feel speak to you for whatever reason? Yeah, so we have a team of lawyers that have been working across our offices to raise awareness of FGM and to, and to support charities that are helping victims access justice. Great. Let me just step in. I think you mentioned FGM, so it's female genital mutilation for people who don't know? Yes, that's exactly right. So we've been um, working to support Anita Prem and a charity called Freedom, and they produced a book last year which was aimed at children, and it's a storybook that um, follows the lives of two girls and their summer holidays, and the aim of the book is to raise awareness about the warning signs of FGM. And what our lawyers did was at the back of the book, there are some legal advice pages. So things like how to get a protection order or what are the laws surrounding FGM or what are the mandatory reporting obligations. And I met Anita recently to receive an update on her work and what she's doing. And she goes and speaks in schools across the UK. And she gives them copies of this book and she speaks to the assemblies. And there are huge numbers of girls now self-identifying as at risk of FGM who, before they'd heard from Anita and read her book, didn't realize that their summer holiday that was planned to go back to Africa might, might put them at risk of FGM. Wow, that's amazing. That's an amazing project to be involved in. Um, what else? Tell us about some others. We've recently started um, working with University House Legal Advice Centre on an advocacy project, along with another, a number of other firms as well. And our lawyers are helping clients who have been denied their disability benefits. Um, so what our lawyers do is they meet with the client, they draft the appeal submission, and then they go and they represent the client in the first tier tribunal. Um, and so far, we've taken on five cases, and four of them have had positive results for our clients. And the lawyers that are doing the work, it's a big time commitment. In the space of two weeks, it takes up two or three days of your time. But the impact that you have on the client um, at the end is just amazing, and they get to see the case from start to finish. Any others? So I mentioned briefly that I started working with Safe Passage this year. Um, so they're helping unaccompanied children who are trying to join their relatives in the UK. And I went with them to France in January, and I've um, been assisting them on casework since. 
So we've been working with immigration lawyers at the Migrants Law Project who are running the cases. And we interview the relatives and speak to the children to try and put together a case for them to join their family in the UK through a safe and legal route rather than trying to get here um, on, you know, under lorries or across the water, which can be much more dangerous. Could you tell us a little bit, you mentioned the collaborative project, a little bit more about the state of pro bono in London in the UK. What's going on? What are the most urgent or emerging areas of legal needs? A little kind of current events report. I'm just going to have a think about that for a second. The collaborative plan for pro bono, um, we, we meet every few months and there are lots of things on the agenda, but one of the main things on the agenda is to try and offer clients more end-to-end legal advice. So in the UK, there are a lot of one-off legal advice clinics which provide really valuable assistance to, to clients that show up, but they tend to be signposting clinics, so they help them there on the day, but they don't take on the client and help them all the way to the end. So what a number of firms are trying to do is set up initiatives and collaborations which, which help clients from start to finish in their case. That's great. That's great context, and I think really helpful for people to know about Let's look to the future. What's on the horizon for Pro Bono at Reed Smith? Tell us about one or two new things that you have in the works. So we recently partnered with the Schools Consent Project, which is a legal education project, and they are teaching sexual consent in schools. So what they're trying to do is normalize the conversation around consent, explain the laws around sexting and sexual offenses. And we've trained some of our lawyers up to go and run these workshops. And I was really impressed when we attended the training session. The materials are really interactive. You go into the classroom and your aim isn't to tell the students what the law is, it's to engage them in discussion and for them to come up with the ideas themselves so that they're more likely to remember them and to take them forward in their life. So that's something that we've got on the horizon in the next few months, sending lawyers into schools. Um, We're also trying to expand our work with Safe Passage that I've already mentioned. We're about to train up some more lawyers at Reed Smith to assist with this work as the refugee crisis in Europe is only increasing and there are hundreds of unaccompanied children arriving all the time. Um, And then what's on our horizon is we we try and do pro bono initiatives that our lawyers are really interested in and passionate about. So I tend to be guided by ideas that come from our lawyers. So our work around FGM and our school consent project and our domestic violence clinic Those all came from ideas from our lawyers at Reed Smith, and they came to me with a proposal, and I helped them develop it, and then they have led it and taken it forward. So we tend to be guided by what our lawyers want to do. Oh, that's such a fabulous point. I'm so happy that you raised it. I think a lot of time people have the impression that pro bono is very top down <laughs> and that, you you know, it's sort of people can do what Becca brings them and that's it, you know, and, and, and what, what the pro bono team tells them to do. And that's not really how it works, right? You're asking people to stretch and go above and beyond. And part of what makes that works is your people's passions and, and figuring out what they want to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think that people are much more likely to be engaged and passionate and want to get involved with the work if it's something that they really care about. And like I mentioned earlier, we rely on the lawyers here to run initiatives and to take the lead. And if it's an idea that they've come up with and they know the charity and they want to set up the partnership, then it's fantastic. Yeah, and it's such a great way to branch out, right? All these novel ideas. You know, no one has 
uh, sort of a monopoly <laughs> on great ideas <laughs> yeah, and, right. and potential new clients and potential ways to make a difference. So, and it, it ties right into your earlier point. So great. It's all coming together about champions and delegating and relying on a very big network at the firm to make this all happen. So it's really great to, to empower sort of everybody to, to really make a difference. It's, it's great. We've spoken a lot about young people. You've helped educate us about trainees. And it's summer, so we're in kind of summer season. What advice do you have for summer associates, trainees, lawyers starting out their careers, what would you tell them? I would say to do something that you're passionate about. And you can do pro bono alongside your normal commercial work that you're doing. And that's how I started out doing pro bono. I joined Reed Smith and I trained as a commercial lawyer. And I did lots of pro bono because there are amazing opportunities. And then I never dreamed that this job would come up and it, and it has, and I'm really enjoying it. So just to Keep your options open and you never know what will come your way. Yeah, I love that. Be flexible. Be open. If you had a magic wand, what one thing would you change about access to justice or pro bono in the UK or around the world? I would love to have a fully funded legal aid system that provided legal support to individuals who can't afford it. And I would love for everyone in the world to have access to good quality legal advice. I think we're a long way off that at the moment, though. Yeah, it's a good wish. It's why we uh, play the wish game. <laughs> so I, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful answer. Let's wind down with this, Becca. Who's your pro bono role model? And feel free to pick more than one and tell us why. I have a couple of pro bono role models. And one of them would be Sarah Morton-Ramwell. She was my predecessor at Reed Smith. And she really encouraged me to apply for this role, and she's been a mentor and support ever since. And my other role model would be Jane Fleming, who I've already mentioned, who runs our refugee work across the world. And her work is incredible, and the work she's doing to support all of our vulnerable clients. And she's really an inspiration to all of our lawyers at Reed Smith, but also to the clients that she's helping. And I look forward to, to you know, attending more trips with her and learning as much as I can. Oh, thank you so much for telling us about Sarah and Jane. We are big fans of both of theirs, and so it's great to be chatting with them. Becca, thank you so much for talking with me today and helping us literally span the globe. It's been a pleasure having you on the show, and it's been so inspiring. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much to Becca for making the time to be with us. New and archived episodes of the podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to leave a rating and a review. Leave some stars, write some comments. It's quick and easy to do. We'd appreciate the feedback, and it would help make it easier for other listeners to find the show and expand the conversation about pro bono and access to justice. Hey, listeners. Quick reminder that the PBI annual dinner is rapidly approaching. The event will be in New York City on Thursday night, September 28th at the amazing Gotham Hall. More information can be found on the web at probonoinst.org or call Kelly Simon at 202-729-6691. We're grateful to all of our generous sponsors and supporters. 
We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments, feedback, and suggestions to probono at probonoinst.org. For all of us here, thanks for listening, and we'll be back with a new episode next week.